burned my whole pack on my portugues that day this morning, but Saturday. That would have been nice. That also would have set expectations for podcast recording if you had bacon ready. If it was just like the whole plate off the Blackstone, like as we're recording. Since I'm talking about it now, now I'm going to upset. I know. Yeah, that's the expectation for next time we do it. Cool. Uh, we are back with the podcast. It's been a little while since we recorded. Right now it's December 2nd, so we'll take an opportunity real quick to talk about what we've got going on in December, and then we'll jump into uh, to, into the episode. So coming up, I think we have some pretty cool stuff that we're doing uh, to give away. Um, so the first being a eight-week custom training package to one person. So following this podcast, uh, it'll be out on our Instagram page by the time you're hearing this, um, but we're going to drop uh, our December giveaway. The winner will be announced on the morning of Christmas, December 25th. Um, basically, what we're doing is we're giving away an eight-week training package. This is really for anybody of any training experience. Um, because what you're going to do is you're going to get on a Google Meet or a Zoom with us. Uh, we're going to discuss what your training goals are, what equipment you have available, any physical limitations you may have. And we are going to do a one-on-one -on -one customized eight-week plan for you uh, to help you meet whatever goals you have. Um, so that again, that again will be announced the morning of December 25th, and you can look to our Instagram page uh, for how to enter. We're going to add it to one of our pinned posts. So if you just look to our top three posts, it's going to be right there. Um, and while I'm at it, the other big thing we have uh, this month leading up to Christmas uh, is your ability to buy any, any modern athlete training package a year in advance. Uh, so what we're going to do is we have our $30 a month subscription-based training teams. Uh, if you buy annually, we're going to knock the price down to somewhere between $22.50 to $25 is what it's going to average coming out per month. Um, so if you've been somebody that's been training with us for a long term or a long time, or you just want to gift this to somebody so they get a year of training uh, with Modern Athlete, uh, you can go to our site. Just when you select the training plan that you'd like, just select the annual plan. Um, and you can get that at a discount. It makes an awesome Christmas gift uh, if you want to give something to somebody that's going to last them. So one topic that we're going to discuss today is the art and science of coaching. Um, and sitting at the table, we have two former Division I strength coaches that are going to talk a lot on the subject. Um, but we were talking about this the other day. And really what this stemmed from was as I was diving deeper into Joe Ken's tier system, he was talking about how he implemented that amongst his college athletes. Um, and one thing that caught my attention uh, when, when reading the PDF was that Joe acknowledges that rest times between sets, that research shows us what the optimal rest time is. So he acknowledges that, but then also states that he pushes his athletes to get the sets done in a certain period of time, understanding that what research tells us is not actually optimal for his college athletes. And there's a myriad of factors that go into, into that. And I think that's really where the art of coaching comes in, contrasted against the science. And I want to discuss more of that today. So real quick, Ben and Jimmy, you want to give just a quick background on uh, your your coaching experience and where you came from? Yeah. Um... So I went to school at Mississippi State. There I was did my undergrad bachelor's of science seminar in kinesiology and then did my master's in exercise physiology. 
which is awesome. Had some great teachers there. Um, had some great teachers there and prepared you from everything that the book was going to say or everything the book was going to say and giving you all the knowledge like Brian just touched on there. Getting all that knowledge and then going into my first internship and trying to apply that knowledge at, at working at Troy football program for five seasons was 100% not applicable. Um, Actually, hold on one second. Let, let's get your background real quick and then like, let's, let's jump into this conversation. Cool. So I went to Hofstra University. I was actually a Hofstra University lifer. I did my undergrad there. Um, I went on to do my internship there with the football program and lacrosse program. And then I ended up getting hired in 2009 and I was a strength coach there from 2009 to 2021. So 13 years there. Started off as an interim assistant strength coach, then became assistant strength coach, then associate head, then head strength coach, and then associate director of athletics for sports performance. So definitely an unconventional path in college athletics. Normally you're kind of a nomad and you bounce around to different universities, but that's my uh, kind of abbreviated background there. So, Which is strange since the two of us had a similar path in that sense of I was at Troy for five years starting as... A summer intern to GA part time to full time then to being over sports science. So strange that the two of us sitting at this table had a long path or stayed in a long path at one school. Yeah, I think it's I think it's important to get the backgrounds early because anytime you start you start uh, branching away from like what research says, you get accused of being, you know, bro science or, you know, pseudo trainer, whatever it may be. And so I think it's important to, to upfront understand like the caliber of strength coaches that we're talking about and the experience in the room. Obviously both of you uh, maintain the CSCS certification and Jimmy, you're a master strength and conditioning coach uh, as well. So I just want to get that out upfront because like this, this is important stuff because nobody, during, at any point during this discussion is uh, is is not unaware of the importance of research. I like to think of this though as like where we want to be at is really like the intersection of where research and experience meet that helps us uh, that really helps us develop the training methodology that we employ with our athletes and that that intersection of research and experience is kind of like the world in which we like to live in. So, um, yeah, again, so lis listening to Joe Ken talk about this um, and him saying things like, hey, understand what what minimum rest times are, what what the optimal rest time is for you know, muscular hypertrophy or strength. Understand that we don't have time to use that with all of our college athletes. And then he even goes as far as saying he doesn't let them sit down in the gym because there is something to be said about it establishing the mental fortitude uh, through weight training uh, that gives them um, the right mindset that they need to take, you know, onto the field. Do you guys want to speak on that at all? Yeah. I mean, honestly, people sitting down in the gym drives me crazy. You know, unless you're at a power lift, you're taking some super long resting interval. It's always been a pet peeve of mine to see people sit down into a gym. Um, but speaking on that and, as Jimmy and I were discussing a little bit prior to this podcast, there becomes a lot when running a weight room with a group of 30, 40 kids in there. Like, it's not just about 
strength and conditioning, but it's how you develop discipline within that program. So simple things like, hey, don't rest your hands on your hips while in between reps of running. Don't sit down in between sets. It's all like we just touched on that mental fortitude. And a lot of that is going to become big into your program because ultimately your boss, who is the head coach of that team, he's going to, he or she is going to want to see all of that in the program. And if they're looking down at what the strength and conditioning program is doing and thinking, Hey, they're not mentally tough or, you know, they can't push through things. And then your team happens to go five and seven or have a below 500 season, whatever sport you're competing in. Like doesn't matter how good your program is backed by science. Like you'll probably be looking for a new job. Yeah. We all know in college or any sport, games are won or lost by an inch, uh, a yard, uh, a second, all those things. So the, what I tried to preach in the in the weight room was culture and accountability. So if you're not accountable in the weight room, putting clips on the bar for safety, spotting your teammate, all those things, all those things are going to add up and they're going to show up in practice in games. So you try to do as much of that behind the scenes in the off season in the weight room so it doesn't carry over and you're creating good habits for the season and hopefully uh, wins as opposed to losses. So, uh, Yeah, totally. And I, yeah, I know you guys are talking about college specifically, but I've enjoyed the carryover from you know, your backgrounds, but onto the teams that we use on modern athlete with still instilling a similar mentality. Cause like whether you're a college athlete or you're just, somebody that is looking to use fitness as this mechanism to improve other parts of their lives too, like holding yourself accountable, like in that fashion, you know, the, the field can almost be an, anal an analogy for, you know, any other aspect of your life. You know, if you are doing something that makes you more disciplined, that keeps you accountable, transferability of that to, to anything, whether that's work related or whatever it may be, you know, it's still there. The same rules apply. 100%. One thing we would do at Hofstra, we'd have our massive logo right when you enter the weight room, and I wouldn't let the athletes stand on it or walk on it. So it was basically like a test for all the athletes to make sure they're locked in when they walk into the weight room. So if at 530 in the morning, we have a team coming in and your head is not on your shoulders, you step on the logo, there was obviously repercussions for that. Um, Painful repercussions, yes, I'm sure. Yes, some sort of physical, uh, <laughs> yes. Um, so... But every recruits would ask me, parents of recruits would ask me, like, why'd you put it there? Like, well, it's you can get hurt in the weight room really easily. So if you're not dialed in, so that's like one check for me to know the athletes are dialed in. They walk around the logo and they respect respect the logo, same way you respect the American flag. You're not gonna put the American flag on the ground, you're not gonna step on the American flag. So treat the university the same way. Yeah. So. Oh, that's cool, man. I, I actually really like that thought process. Yeah. That yeah, I mean I guess the, the takeaway for anybody listening is, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be like a, a logo on the ground, but having, having something like as soon as you step into the gym, that is like your check on like, Hey, mentally, like, am I here right now? So like, whatever it may be, you know, that's, that's something cool for people to think about, about like, you know, what, what is that for me? And, you know, how can I implement that into my training? That's, that's a good idea. And then from a programming standpoint, because obviously everybody listening is thinking about their own programs, what situation they're training in. The other thing that dictates your program is your facility. So in college athletics, I would have somewhere between 40 and 60 athletes coming in at once. 
well, I may have one athlete on the rack, one athlete spotting, whatever the exercise is, and then another athlete doing mobility or some other exercise because we're trying to get the most bang for our buck in a short amount of time because these athletes are managing class schedules, um, limited uh, time in the weight room, all these things. And then we have other teams coming in right after. So we can't, we don't have an endless amount of time to be spending in the weight room. So is it ideal to be doing um, an ankle mobility or something paired with another exercise? Yes, it is because we have to use that time as efficiently as possible because every minute that's in the weight room has to be accounted for. So just thinking about the flow of your garage gym or your public gym that you're training at, um, that's, that plays a role in programming time. So, yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, you'll see people online always wanting to bash like, Oh, you did this and they should have had this interval. but the clip you're seeing on Instagram or X, like no one is seeing what's fully going on there. I can't tell you how many times it was because NCAA, NCAA is going to give them X amount of hours per week that they can be with their sport. So then that's going to be broken up between practice, weight room, everything else, team meetings. Well, for us, if player meetings needed to run a little bit longer, every time that 15 minutes or so was cut from us. So you're having to get your work in, but it's all, that time is always being cut from you. So do you have three minutes really to spend waiting in between sets. But, you know, Jimmy just said like adding those filler exercises like is going to be extremely beneficial, which somebody who's watching the 15 second clip could be like, oh, you're an idiot. You should be doing this at that time. Like, why would you ever pair these? But when they really don't know the full story as to what's going on in that training program. And it's very applicable to everybody who's listening as far as like life gets in the way of training, even though you're not maybe a college athlete currently or a former college athlete, life gets in the way. So your warm up might get, your workout total may get cut in half. So you normally train for an hour, hour and 15. Well, guess what? Meetings happen, kids happen, whatever. You only have 45 minutes. So guess what? Those ideal rest times are out the window because, oh, are you going to take the ideal rest time and get through a quarter of your workout? Or are you just going to figure it out that day, shorten your rest time, get through the whole workout? Like that's, that's life. So, yeah. I, I think also, and not to, not to steer off course, but like also with the, with ideal rest times, like you have to account for intensity also, right? So like, if I'm saying like three minutes rest is optimal between strength or between sets, you know, my first set that may be at 60% doesn't necessarily need a full three minutes of sitting on my ass before beginning my next set versus if I'm lifting at 90, 95%, you know, maybe I do actually need that full rest time. So that's one thing like with the tactical athlete team where you know, people are asking about rest times a lot. And especially if we're building over the course of six sets, it's like, well, yeah, two to three minutes is going to be optimal on your really heavy sets. But if you're basically taking three warm up sets um, as you know, your first three sets out of the six, then you don't necessarily need to rest that long. Well, it's, it's knowing your body. Yeah. Um, kind of going back to college experience, you know, you look at sprint work, um, you know, you cannot do sprint work with 30 kids and sit there and do the actual rest intervals and then get into the weight room and finish your full on lift. So a lot of times you're coaching like with your eyes there, looking, talking to kids, are they fully recovered? Are you able to sprint? Like, are you, are you able to start that next rep? You know, if they're huffing and puffing, give them a little bit longer. 
if everyone's standing around laughing, joking in between rep, hey, they're clearly ready to start that next rep. So you have to use your coach's eye really to know when to do the next rep. And the same thing would go during conditioning. We had plenty of kids sickle cell trait. You know, there was no machine out there saying, hey, this individual cannot run the next rep. So as coaches, you're constantly going around having these conversations. Are they able to talk back to you? If they can't speak back to you, hold them out the next rep. If they're able to hold that conversation, they're obviously good to go. So a lot, a lot comes from that coach's eye, not just what the book says. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and like people that don't get that are the ones that are just constantly like, well, here's this thing that tells me that, you know, you're doing this wrong and like, you must not know what you're talking about. If, if you're not listening to the latest research, blah, blah, blah. And actually like, I think if anyone wants to really argue research, like it's also beneficial to actually know how to read research in the first place. Like if you take a graduate level research methods class, I think you'll probably have more skepticism about research methods than you did before taking it. Cause if you're only reading the abstract and you're not looking at things like the effect size or like, you know, potentially how like the researchers determine like what constitutes uh, statistical significance and like what the P value is and all that stuff, then you'll understand how like there can be bias introduced into research or like the population that is actually being tested is not representative like of how you're applying it in this argument. There's a lot of things that can be flawed. So to, to blindly lay, like wave some of the research in the face of people just doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Speaking of reading abstracts, I would always hate in grad school and projects where you read the abstract thing that's going to support what you're wanting to do and then read further into it. Oh, shit, this doesn't work. Let me read five more of these. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say the biggest thing for me is like the research is great. Obviously, that's still going to be the foundation of what we do as far as programming oh, wise. Yeah. But at the end of the day, in every real, real world situation, life is not in this perfect bubble and this like sanitary, like perfect situation. I was in the weight room for 13 years. If you have a question about my programming or anything, ask one of my athletes. That's always my, that's what I try to hang my hat on is I always put the athletes first, try to get as much buy-in, try to instill discipline, accountability, all those things. And I can hang my hat on that. But I always have the foundation of science, but with a blend of how does this work in a team setting? So, yeah. And you have to, and you know, I, I, it was not saying what I said earlier to discredit the importance or like discount the importance of any research. I mean, I read research, you know, nearly every day, but if you, I think when we talk in terms of like art and science, if you are going to branch away from doing something that is, you know, backed by research, you should have the foundation of that. Uh, you should have the foundation of science and that expertise to, make an intelligent decision about why you're not going to follow that. Like if you're just blindly doing things and saying like, Hey, I'm doing this because like, I think this is right, but you don't have anything to, uh, to back that up with then like, yeah, you're, you're then in the realm of, you know, bro science and you know, whatever it may be. Um, like what we're talking about here is like the deliberate decision of, Hey, acknowledge what this tells me but I have to apply this to this current situation that I'm in because I'm looking for this specific effect. Yeah. <clears throat> and just 
last thing for me. Um, and again, even if there's people listening that aren't college strength coaches and don't work with group settings, this is still applicable to personal trainers, uh, individual sport uh, strength conditioning coaches, like how you, your facility matters. So whatever you have in your facility, that's going to dictate your program. That's going to dictate the flow of your workouts um, and all that, that. All that stuff is important. And just understand that if, if you don't program for your facility and you're just trying to squid a, uh, fit a square peg in a round hole because it says something in research, you're probably in the wrong. So just use your situation, use your best judgment, and that's going to dictate your programming. So. Yeah. And I, I think there's something to be said about that where, uh, you know, just keeping it simple to like do what makes sense. Um, because if you're so caught up in like, I have to do it this way and everything is linear and extremely black and white, just remember that, you know, common sense is a part of all this. Like if it doesn't make sense to your point, like for your facility or for your athlete, then, then don't do it. Don't think that you are, you know, bound in absolutes and how every single person has to be trained. And the last, the other thing is train. If you're a strength coach out there and you're trying something, you want to try something new, do it yourself first. Don't just program because you saw it on Instagram, because you saw it in research, get out there, get under a barbell and do it yourself. So you know how it feels. Cause if you know how it feels, then you know how your client's going to feel, how you're going to feel. So that's going to allow you to coach so much better. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, I think that's a great thought to end on. Um, I know we said we keep it shorter, right? About 22 minutes right now. Um, but hey, the only thing I'll close with is this. If you enjoyed this podcast, uh, I would really encourage you to just give it five stars right now on whatever platform you're listening to. Uh, we don't advertise or do anything with this. So really the only way that it gets in front of other people is if you share it, and if you give it five stars and, and helps us promote it. So we appreciate you guys. And, uh, we're looking forward to seeing you next week.